Hey guys, got to the end of this episode and realized I had forgotten to do the mental health check. I like using this pod as partially like a diary and an opportunity to mentally check in with myself and my guests. If you don't care, no hard feelings, skip like a minute or two into the podcast, but know that I am a very petty and dramatic person. Smiley face. I wrote in smiley face. Normally I check in with my guests too, but I forgot and I still want to do it. So I am going to do it. Andre, if you are listening, bud, I'm sorry. I hope you are well. And I will ask in more detail the next time you are on, which is likely to be very soon. So how am I doing? I'm doing okay. All right. Uh, Maybe not doing a pod for a couple of weeks implied disaster, but I was just moving around and starting work, which has been really cool. I haven't had a daily outdoor routine since before COVID, and I've craved it, honestly. I'm working nine and a half hour days, which is brutal, but honestly, I'm preoccupied mentally, which is nice, and the work is monotonous enough where I can genuinely listen to pods. So the Reader's Digest is coming back. It'll be in the episode notes, and it only has pods this week. Oh, and also, I went to the Bucks overtime playoff win on Saturday, and I'm going to the Monday game. So yeah, Mental Health is doing pretty okay this week. Smiley face. I wrote another smiley face. You're hearing the Utah Jazz Memphis game come on, which means it's time for me to cut this off. Cue the funky guitar intro that definitely wasn't a free podcast sound from Spotify. The Wizards might have secured Scott Brooks's job for next year, much to the chagrin of Washington Wizards fans. The playoffs have started, and Kwame Brown is trying to steal Kendrick Perkins's title in NBA media from Kendrick Perkins. Welcome back to No Bucks Given, a basketball podcast where we give so few bucks that there aren't any even in my wallet right now. I want to get the podcast to the point where right after I say that, I can have like a sponsor for the episode just to like make fun of how I don't have any money. But we're not at the sponsors part yet. But I am at the guest part yet. And we've got uh, someone who's been on the podcast quite a bit, Nick Andre. He's been on forever. Um, First episode in a while. Got to bring back a familiar face. Nick, how are you doing, sir? I'm great, man. I'm I'm happy, man. We we got the playoffs back, man. That's right. The playing tournament was just so fucking amazing. Yes. Man. And I, I apologize to the NBA because I, I personally didn't like the format this year. I loved it last year, but when they changed it to this year, I wasn't a big fan of it. But mm-hmm. we got some of the best basketball that I've seen in a while. So yeah. Kudos to the NBA, man. I'm I'm really happy. I fully agree. Uh, on the Western side, at least, we had really good games between the Lakers and Warriors and really good games between the Grizzlies and Warriors. Um, that was really fun. Even the Grizzlies-Spurs game was fun. On the Eastern side, it's actually pretty simple. Boston got the seventh seed by blowing out the Wizards, who went on to get the eighth seed by blowing out the Pacers, who had blown out the Hornets the game before. The East, as always, what an incredible product and a bunch of great teams to watch. We're not going to cover any more of the play-in games. Those were a few days ago. It's a little bit late for that. We are going to talk about the playoffs, though. We'll cover the games that have already happened, our reactions to those games, and what we think is going to happen in that series, and the games that haven't happened yet, and what we think is going to happen to the series, including um, Donovan Mitchell not playing tonight, and when we think that's going to make an impact in the series. But first, I want to bring up a very interesting non-playoff 
basketball content that we're getting possibly the only non-playoff basketball content that i've seen on nba twitter is kwame brown now nick andre has done the following of this uh saga more so than i have and if you want to check out andre's twitter you will see quite a bit content on there his twitter will be in the episode notes by the way he's always talking about kwame before we start if you're wondering that you don't know who kwame brown is although you should I can show you the one clip that you know he's from. Did L.A. give up too much to get a guy who has been labeled soft, although he puts up 19 and 9, which only 11 other guys do? Is that a trick question? You tell me. They gave up Kwame Brown. Two first-rounders. I could, I could care less. I into a salary for First of all, understand something. When you're giving up first-round picks, if you are a quality team in, play, in playoff contention, it really doesn't mean that much. That's number one. Number two, and more importantly, Kwame Brown is gone. The City of Angels, Hollywood, just should be celebrated. Throw a parade already, whether you win a championship or not. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. No disrespect whatsoever, but I'm sorry to call tell everybody the truth the man cannot play the game of basketball he has small hands he can't catch the ball he's got bad feet he can't really move even though he's mobile doesn't really know what he's doing doesn't have a post move that he he puts to memory that he can do two times in a row he has no game whatsoever plays no defense doesn't have the heart the passion or anything that comes with it and you're asking me whether this they gave up too much please the los angeles lakers knew exactly what they were doing they should be celebrating right now and kobe Bryant should not be saying a word that's Stephen A. Smith like a decade ago talking about Kwame Brown. Uh, so he's been taking shots forever, despite not really doing a ton to warrant it. And he caught some shots from All the Smoke. It's in the title of the podcast. I don't know why people expected any different. And he's been responding to that. Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the situation, what you've seen. And I know that you have very strong opinions about the situation. So I would love to hear that as well. Mm-hmm. So for those who aren't aware, apparently in all the smokes, one of their most recent episodes, they had one of my favorite players, one of my favorite players of the 2000s, Gilbert Arenas on. And they had a they had a section where I guess they were talking about Gilbert Arenas time with the Wizards. I want to say I can't remember. I didn't see the full episode, but I saw a clip and mm-hmm. I don't know where Call Me Brown comes up. And, you know, there, there, are, there are some jokes or whatnot, you know, about Call Me Brown, but. I want to say what Gilbert Arena said was, you know, being 18 years old and being the number one overall pick, because a lot of people don't understand that, like, Kwame Brown was the first number right. one pick to come out of high school. I know I know a lot of people think that it was LeBron, but it was really Kwame Brown, if I'm not mistaken. Gotcha. So the pressure was the pressure was on him coming into the league, and as everyone may know, he didn't necessarily exceed the expectations that were placed on him, especially being a number one overall pick. So what Gilbert Arenas was basically saying was that, you know, there was a lot of pressure on him on him, and he may have lost that confidence. So that's why he may have never exceeded those expectations. So obviously, Kwame Brown responds to Gilbert Arenas, Steven Jackson, and Matt Barnes, which I personally don't have a problem with him responding because at the end of the day, you know, you have to defend yourself as a man. But the thing is, like, I'm kind of confused, number one, because, you know, he's finally responding after all these years. And number two, because I didn't necessarily think what those guys said on all the smoke was really that bad, honestly. Like, I've heard heard things 10 times worse about Comey Brown, not just from Stephen A. Smith, like, but from other analysts themselves. Like, Comey Brown has been a laughing stock 
over the course of his career. Yeah. And I want I want a lot of people to understand it's not a fluke when that Kwame Brown was selected number one because he was a really good high school player. Like yeah. if people go back and look at his highlights, which I did on YouTube over the last week and went to go look up like you know stats and everything. There's there's not a there's not a like it's not a fluke that he was number one. Like there's not a there's not a reason why MJ selected him number one. I mean there right. was a lot of potential in him coming to the NBA. Now I'm not sure what happened, but unfortunately he never became an all star. He never became a right. big man over the years, and it was just unfortunate. So you know jokes jokes aside, you know Kwame Brown does respond, which I mean I don't have a problem with. But the one thing that I do have a problem with is is that you know. When he's talking about Matt Barnes or Steven Jackson, he's bringing up their personal things that happen in their personal life and things of that nature. And you never hear Steven Jackson or Matt Barnes say anything about Kwame Brown's family, wife, kids, whatever. Right. You know, he comes to bring up Matt Barnes's situations, Steven Jackson's old situations. And, you know, that that's, that's right. kind of like what that, that's kind of what crossed the line for me is because, you know, at the end of the day, nobody's really saying nothing personal about you. It's just about how you weren't or just about how, you know, you didn't exceed the expectations that were placed on you, but for you to just, you know, make like over a thousand videos, like coming back at just about everybody, it's just, it's just kind of insane to me personally. And I don't, I don't know if he stopped yet. I don't know if he's calmed down yet, but obviously the people are behind him. I want to say like, he's grown like over 5,000 followers since, you know, since his whole rant and everything. So the people love, the people love drama. The people love it in, as long as Kwame Brown, or as long as the people are backing up Kwame Brown, I don't, I don't expect him to stop anytime soon. Yeah, um, the reason I compared him to Kendrick Perkins in the the opening of the episode was mainly Kendrick Perkins got big on Twitter for making videos saying uh, just random shit about the NBA. You know, like Rashid Wallace just started this week and he said that Russell Westbrook is the best player in the league. Stuff like that. That's what Kendrick. Not to Perkins mention. Not to mention he called Andre Drummond another Anthony Davis. Right. Like, what the hell are you doing? Right. Exactly. It's not awesome. Uh, and with Kendrick Perkins, it's uh, been his specialty for a while. It's so long that it actually got him a job at ESPN as an analyst. I mean, he's on like the talk shows now, which is ridiculous, but good for and him. I, and, I, and I must say, I mean, like I, I used to not like Kendrick Perkins on TV. Just yeah. I hate takes, but I, I must say, I mean, he has gotten a lot better, I guess, maybe over time working with people like Stephen A. Smith and Max yeah. So I, I, must, I must give him his props. He has improved a lot as an analyst. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, at the end of the day, the ESPN product is more about entertainment than it is actual analysis of the game. And Kedrick Perkins fits that theme pretty perfectly if you're looking for that sort of thing. So you're, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And he has gotten better on TV in general, which is always valuable. Uh, but it looks like... Kwame is kind of doing the same thing where he's branched out from talking shit to Matt Barnes and Steven, uh, Steven Jackson. Yeah. Steven Jackson. And is now commenting on everything in the NBA playoff stuff and just giving his opinion about everything. And now he's getting thousands of likes and uh, retweets and shit. And it looks like it's only a matter of time before someone picks him up. Or he'll show up on a Triller fight night or some bullshit. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 honestly insane to me, man. Like this <laughs> this whole this whole week, I've just seen videos after videos after videos, and then I see people on Twitter just like, "Oh man, he's talking that shit." Da 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 da. Yeah. And I'm looking like just just last week, nobody 
cared about Kwame Brown, nobody would even mention his name and all that. Now right. all of a sudden we're backing him up. Like when Stephen A, like all the years that Stephen A has like talked shit about Kwame Brown, like everybody has agreed to him. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Everybody has basically agreed. Now based now that Kwame Brown actually comes about, which is like eight, nine years since Stephen A, because I I, I want to say I haven't heard Stephen A say a word about Kwame Brown in a long time. I, I think no. after the Kwame stuff happened, he started talking about it again. But yeah, no, not lately, I don't think. Exactly. So it's like now so many years past that, you know, he comes back, fires at Stephen A and all these other guys, and now everybody's finally backing him up. Like you know, like I said, I mean, just last week, nobody nobody was checking for Kwame Brown. He's not even verified on Instagram or Twitter, I wanna say. I don't so think that, so, no. Yeah, so, so that just goes to show you that, you know, nobody's actually checking <laughs> for him. Nobody's actually like <clears throat> You know, nobody was wondering like what he was doing. Now all of a sudden he comes into this week, you know, goes on like these little rants, making videos and whatnot. Now he's got like over fifty thousand followers all of a sudden. Right. I mean, but like I said, I mean, the people love drama at the end of the day. So for for him to be clapping back at these guys, and then obviously, obviously Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson aren't really responding much to it. You know, I'm I'm honestly not even surprised at this point. Yeah, I saw the one video. It's so fucking funny of. Uh... Kwame like telling Matt Barnes to meet him in Seattle because it's the yeah. only place in the United States where you can conduct in hand-to-hand combat without signing a waiver, <laughs> which is such a funny specific thing to know. Uh, I saw a tweet that was like, you only know this if you either beaten a guy to death or almost beaten a guy to death in, in a place. So um, very cool to see Kwame do that. Uh, big things are ahead for that guy. I want to say none of the ma- like the major team like media's will pick him up, but I could see him diving into NBA YouTube a little bit just for just for funsies. <laughs> I really hope he doesn't get on ESPN, man. I really hope that like this whole situation lands in the spot on ESPN, whether it's like first take or get up or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, ESPN made the rounds with Lavar. They didn't have any problems with Lavar. They might bring in Kwame if he agrees to you know, contain himself and to keep it I mean, ESPN's Disney, man. Like they're not going to let Kwame talk. Like he's been talking on these goddamn videos. Exactly. You, know, you know what I'm saying? And he's been talking. Look what yeah. happened to Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce posted a video or an IG live or whatever. And then right. the next week he fired. So he was looking. So I, all I think about it are his eyes in that video, man. He looked so sad the whole time. <laughs> he was not having fun. Just go to bed, play some video exactly. games or something, bro. You do not need to see the strippers. <laughs> Disney's strict, man. Disney's strict. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's how it goes. So Kwame is going to come on and he's going to adhere to that. I'm not saying he should. I'm saying as long as he agrees to do that, they'll let him on. I could see them bring him in pretty easily, too. I mean, that what's that? A guaranteed viral tweet or two? Isn't that what it's all about now? I guess so. But my, but my thing is, is like, you know, like all, all of these guys that are on TV, you see like Kendrick Perkins, Matt Barnes, uh, Richard Jefferson. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of these guys like these guys that are on tv they are memorable like you know when Kwame brown comes on tv is like a lot of these like younger people younger than us they're not gonna remember Kwame brown as far as like being in the nba they're gonna remember him for going on these rants going at matt barnes and stuff like that so yes i know what you're saying but like we said already kendrick Perkins did the same thing what's the most memorable thing he did as a player what well he talks he is a champion though he is a champion so a, a lot of people may remember him as that i guess that's fair but most of them remember him being full suited up, like not playing and talking shit to stuff on the That bench. is true. That's what they remember. And also when uh, acting a full champion. 
or whatever. Yeah. And, and listen, he was a starting NBA center for a majority of his career. Kwame Brown couldn't say that. So that's totally fair, but he's also known for being a fucking scrub. So I think the kids that are watching first take and uh, all the other ones that they have on ESPN, they know Perkins strictly for what they see on ESPN. I think he's already transcended like what he was as a player, as an analyst. So Kwame could do that. I'm not saying this is a full-time career, but I could see them bringing him on. And if they bring him on and he has even one viral moment, like something he says funny or something that he says, everyone's like, oh shit, he said that they're going to give him a spot. They're going to give him a spot. It's all, that's all it's about, man. That's probably, that's probably what Kwame is trying to get right now, man. He knows how to work it. It might be, man. I mean, it, it's so crazy, man, like how people can just use the internet to just like, you know, yeah. promote themselves, man. Like, you know, you go on these little rants or whatever, and then all of a sudden you got fucking contracts and shit. Like, you got all types of endorsements. Like, damn, right, like, right. Like, why, why, like, shit, I might need to pick up on this shit. If I got to like start making <laughs> videos of me cussing out people and whatnot and it goes viral, I can get like fucking $50,000. Right, like, exactly. I uh, like a clown, man. And you know what? I don't think I could do it. So I do tip my hat to the people that do it. It takes another level of like not caring about how you're perceived to do that stuff. And if that, if you're cool with that and it gets you a bag, fucking all for it, bro. Good for you. I guess just don't be too detrimental to us. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I mean, it does, it does like, you know, paint a picture about you and gives you a narrative, but at the end of the day, I mean, if the check's hitting, then... if that's all you care about is the checks and not your self image, then fine. That's that's exactly. your job. That's your job. And good for you. That's good for you. Um, do you have anything else that you want to talk about in the comment thing? Like one last thought, anything funny, anything funny that you wanted to tweet and you just like didn't have the fucking balls to tweet that you want to say about the whole situation? I think I just about said everything I wanted to All say. Right. All right. I mean, my my whole stance with the, with the situation is that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm signing with Matt Barnes, Steven Jackson. At the end of the day, Kwame Brown, like I said, I mean, it wasn't a fluke that he went number one overall. And I saw a lot of people saying like, oh, like, oh, like once you make it to the NBA, you're automatically on a bus. That's not true whatsoever, because a lot of a lot of people cannot like, you know, transition from high school, college into the NBA. And obviously Kwame Brown was one of those guys. So, I mean, I do get it because, I mean, he did make a video saying, oh, I was able to get my mom uh, a golf course and whatnot. And, you know, he got he gained a lot of people's respect. So at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to knock him for saying that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that is a big accomplishment. But. At the end of the day, I mean, like I said, I mean, a lot of guys cannot make that transition from the high school or college to the NBA. We've seen it not just coming around. There's been a lot of players who were not able to make that adjustment. Yeah. Just because, you know, so just because you get your name um, announced in the NBA draft does not mean that, you know, you automatically made it. Like, you know what I'm saying? You still have to be able to work. You still have to make that Right, right. No, I agree. So, yeah, it seems like you did have at least one more thing to say about the situation. (laughs) Uh, It ended up coming about. Hopefully that's the last time we talk about Kwame Brown on this podcast. I'm a little bit out of breath because I ran out of my door and I had to pick up something that couldn't be dropped off at another time for whatever reason. And then I brought it back. So, welcome back. You guys didn't hear the break because I cut it. I'm a fantastic podcast editor. <laughs> so fucking hard, man. <laughs> I was only I was only gone for a second. I did not run very far. For some reason, I'm dying. We're gonna talk about the playoffs. Man, yeah, let's let let's start with the first actual game yesterday, the one that you went to That's that true. went into overtime, and you, 
I really want to. I really want to like you know hear what you got to say about the game, not just you know from a fans' perspective, but you know for like actually being there and actually watching it. Like, how was that moment like? Because I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm honestly happy that fans are starting to get back in the arena. It brings back that energy for the game because I think I think that's what the NBA has been missing throughout most of the season, which I which is one of the reasons why I believe some of the games have been so boring because there's right. just no fans in there to cheer one not so. How did you feel? Like, what was that? Was that your first game back since COVID, like, to a game? So, do you guys see, or I guess here, this is a podcast, what Nick Andre just did there? He recognized his uh, co-host struggling with his breath, and he went on a tangent for, like, a minute 30 so I could catch my breath. That is some <laughs> legendary partner shit. I really appreciate oh, it. Oh, man. <laughs> that's I how, didn't even realize I did that either. Like, you know, it just kind of happened. That's how, that's how, like, bonding is formed you know that's how partnership works wow i can't wait to tell people that when we win an oscar in like five years all right Hell yeah. first game of the week first game of the playoffs this year game one 1 p.m they always give the bucks early afternoon tip-offs we always suck in them but they always give them to us because we don't draw like national media uh like the outlets for these games it's always brooklyn and miami and shit but we are playing miami you could be the last game like nuggets get like the nuggets it seemed like every christmas or whatever they're always getting that late game that's true that's true everyone falls asleep for that game i feel bad exactly (laughs) (laughs) um the famous match or series from last year was miami and the bucks in the second round Miami going into the thing had swept Indiana, but was still considered just more of like a scrappy team than more than anything else. And Milwaukee was pretty heavily favored. I want to say like, not even just favored, like pretty heavily favored. They had lost the first game against Orlando and then stomped them for four straight after that. And thought it was business as usual. Did not happen like that. Spolstro, who I maintain is probably the number one coach in the league, despite Greg Popovich still being in it. Uh, designed a defense that was basically only to stop the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis's attack and built an offensive scheme that just torched the Bucks college. It is just a college scheme, you know, beat us in five and it shouldn't have been five. It should have been four. Uh, the Bucks did not win one meaningful game in that series, which is what they did last night or last evening. It was like 12. It was like two 30 when they won. They won a meaningful game in that series. Now, the Heat are worse than they were last year. They don't have Jay Crowder mainly from their rotation, and he was the third best player on the Heat when they beat the Bucs last year. And the Bucs are better. Drew Holiday, who they traded a million first-round picks and gave a $40 million a year extension before the season was over, showed today why both of those things were necessary. He had 20 points, 11 rebounds, three seals, shot well from the floor and made two of the best plays that no one, like everyone's like comparing him to Eric Bledsoe. They're like, Eric Bledsoe couldn't have made that play. No one on the fucking roster besides Giannis last year would have made the play to grab the rebound and just sprint to the other end because he found a gap in the defense and put in the layup with like a minute left to tie up the game. Not even Eric Bledsoe, not a single person besides Giannis last year even had the ability to do that. And he showed today why he was worth all of that shit. Giannis played fine. He played well, but not great. It worries me because I don't know how many of these games we're going to win where Giannis isn't the best player on both teams. So he needs to step it up. I mean, listen, the base stats are all there. 
He had like 23, 17, four blocks, six assists, superstar shit. But we can't have superstar shit against the Miami Heat because they're the Miami Heat. They're the best defense in the league. You need MVP shit. <sighs> but it did not matter because the true number one player on the Bucks, as anyone will tell you. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Who has actually been the clutchest player on this roster, if you watch the one minute and 40 clip that the NBA account tweeted. I retweeted it if you want to check it out. It's a minute 40 of Chris Milton buzzer beaters. They put the ball in his hands at the end. On uh, Duncan Robinson, who was doing a decent job at uh, defending him, but a great shooting game overall. <sighs> Middleton just takes it to him, takes that shot, and sinks it with 0.5 seconds. Now, if you've seen everything on Twitter, it's so fucking great. The the picture of Middleton letting the ball go and the look on his face, he knows it's in. He's playing with Duncan Robinson at that point. He's hit buzzer beaters in almost every memorable year that he's played for the Bucks, and I don't understand why they haven't given the ball sooner in these clutch situations, especially considering how incredible of a rebound Giannis Adenokounmpo is. He's a better rebounder than he is a shooter. May as well put him in a position where he can grab the board when his best shooter takes a pull-up at the end of the game. I've got some more thoughts on what I saw in the strategy of the game, but Nick, I just went off for a couple of minutes there. Oh, sorry. I didn't even talk about going to the fucking game. I went to the game. It was fucking great. It was so much fun. There were so many people there. It was like 25% capacity. So not like normal amounts, but there was a ton of people. You could hear it. Really? 25%. Like it looks like there was like fucking at least like 10, 15,000 people. I have no idea. I'm bad at the looks of the TV. At least I I don't know. Cause I mean, I'm I'm watching, I'm I watched that game and I even watched the, um, the Warriors Memphis game. There are a lot of, there's a lot of people. Um, and with, uh, with the game being there, I was saw some tweets that said the national broadcast was not showing like the crowd noise as much as it should. I don't really know. It sounded super loud while I was there. Uh, there was even like an annoying group of Miami fans behind us, like talking shit the entire time. It felt like normal. It felt like normal. <laughs> I did not overpay for some beers, even though I wanted to. But we watched the game. I did not have fun. I was having like anxiety the entire fucking game. The Bucks never win close games that matter in the playoffs. They, and they tried to give it away several times, but we did it. We pulled it off because of Chris Milton. Nick, you watched the game. Give me your thoughts. I love, I honestly loved every single second of it. Um, Like, I mean, I- I've been saying this for a while now. I mean, this, this is going to be my favorite series out of, out of, out of basically all the series right now. Yeah. Just because, I mean, just because of the circumstance coming into the series, you know, we all know what happened last year when, you know, Miami just basically clamped Giannis in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. So Milwaukee came into this first game, looking to respond to that. And for the most part, they responded well. They could have done a lot of things better. But, yeah. you know, at the, at, at the end of the day, it wins a win. You know, that, that Chris Minister shot does definitely give them momentum. Mm-hmm. But also, if I'm Miami, and I mean, I tweeted, I tweeted this, this morning, like, you know, I'm not really too concerned just because, Miami didn't have the best game, particularly no, their two no. best players. Jimmy Butler shot four twenty-two. Yep. Bam Adebayo wasn't really aggressive on the offensive right. end. He shot fine, but he shot like half of them what he should have. Exactly. So I mean, he wasn't as aggressive on the offensive end. So they were getting big contributions for guys like Goran Dragic and Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson had seven threes. Yeah, yeah, seven three pointers. So for them, for their two best players to not even like have a have a great game right or actually not even a good game honestly they didn't really play good honestly i mean 
probably down the stretch, but that was about it. But yeah, for, for them, for them to not have the best of games, and for them to be able to force overtime and only lose by two points off of a um, off of a last second shot, right? They have a lot of confidence going into game two. I thought both teams played pretty well defensively. Also, shout out to PJ Tucker, man. PJ Tucker is locking, He's balling. Yeah, uh, fuck. Locking people up. I, I, I want to say I saw a like Jimmy Butler shot like 0 for 6 against him. Yeah. Like, yep. like I, think, I think like the whole team combined, like they shot like 1 for 10, 1 for 11 or something I like think that. that. Yeah, I saw that. It, he it's... was locking people up. Uh, Brooke Lopez also had a pretty, pretty good he game. Did. You know, but he did. Him. I think he had like 18 and 8, I want to say. Um, yeah, and he was yeah. playing some great defense in the paint. He, he followed he Jimmy on occasion, and Jimmy got a lot of free throws, but he was the only reason that Jimmy didn't score at will in that game in the paint. He was, and I, and I, and all honestly, man, Milwaukee was also having their way in the paint as well. I think they had like fifty six points in the paint, which they I mean, had to. Impressive. So, if I'm, Miami, if, I'm, if I'm Miami, if I'm if I'm Miami, I mean, I would definitely look into like you know, look into like limiting that, especially like with a guy like Giannis who loves to penetrate to the rim, especially like on the break and everything. Um, but the, the but the hard thing about Miami is that I mean they only have two bigs right now because I mean because Ari Spolstra is kind of limit that limit that rotation like eight or nine guys. So outside yeah. of Ben Bio, they have Dwayne Dedman. So Dwayne Dem is going to have to play a lot more minutes, like, yeah. Uh, if Eric Spolstra is going to um, going to have going to have guys that are going to be able to protect the rim, so I mean, basically, basically, like I said, I mean, might play well. Milwaukee had a decent game, so I think I think I think that this matchup here is going to have is going to give us a really great game too. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Dwayne Denman, by the way, was my favorite. Um, out of the way, like uh, discount free agent option for the Bucks for four straight years until he like turned thirty four. Every year, I'd be like, just go get fucking Dwayne Dedman. You're set at backup center. You guys are totally fine. And he didn't play at all this season until signing with the Heat with like a month left mm-hmm. in the game. And he's their number two big. I mean, they traded for Nemanja Bjelica for three point shooting to take over the uh, Kelly Olynyk role, and they don't play him at all. But they play Dwayne Dedman. I really like Dwayne Dedman's game. He's perfect for oh. the Miami Heat. It's um, it's really good. A couple of notes before we move on to the next game. Mainly, we're going to talk about this one a little bit more just because I was there. He watched it, so we can actually dive into it. Some of them we're probably just going to skip over entirely. Um, the one thing that I would say is uh, Budenholzer fucked up the defensive alignments on uh, as much as Budenholzer can, basically. Uh, the rotation was tight. I liked giving Pat only a couple of minutes at the quarter. He can impact the game with his athleticism without being asked to do too much at that point. Brooke Lopez shouldn't be on the floor when Duncan Robinson is. They run the same play every single time. It's just uh, Chris guarding Duncan and Bam running a high screen with Duncan. And Brooke is stuck in the middle of the paint because he runs the low drop. And Duncan Robinson gets an open three-pointer every single time. He shot seven for 13 from three. I don't think he can do much better than that in this game. In a, in a game in this series. But if he's going to be right around that, they're going to fuck us with that every single time. So that's what you got PJ for. And he played a lot of PJ with Brooke Lopez that didn't make any fucking sense. I don't know why he did that. But the rotation was tight, at least. And that's improvement from Budenholzer. And yeah, like you said, seeing PJ Tucker in a Bucks jersey, man, God, it makes me so fucking happy every time I see it. He's just... It was a great pickup. Yeah. It was a... I'm gonna pick. I mean, it, it was obviously time for him to get out of Houston just because I mean, right. just because of how bad things turn out turn out there. So for him to be on a um, a championship contender, being able to continue to like use his value on a team, I think it's remarkable. <laughs> so I honestly, I, I honestly expect him to continue to give guys fish throughout this um, throughout this um, series. Yeah. I mean, 
we saw our first rated Jimmy Butler was going up against him. We saw guys like I want to say he was guarding like I want to say he guarded Tyler Hero a few times as well. I can't. Exactly yeah, he remember. did. So and he can keep up with those dudes. You don't need him to do anything on the offensive end if he's going to defend exactly. like that. It's crazy. I love seeing it. Honestly, between Giannis, Drew, and PJ, this might be the best defensive Bucks team I've ever seen, if not all time altogether. You know, it's yeah. fucking crazy. I. Cool. And uh, before we move on, a big shout out to Bobby Portis, who is the only player that didn't get shook by Miami's defense in the game. Hit floaters, hit jump shots, uh, was able to work in the paint, even worked the paint with Bam a couple times. He did not get scared. And he's the number one guy besides Drew that we didn't have last year against the Heat. So that was really cool to see. I appreciate it. Let's move on to the second game of the day. It was Mavericks Clippers. I bought, I caught about half of this game. Um, the one thing that I'll say that I noticed and everyone was saying on Twitter was that they had Patrick Beverly guarding Luca instead of either Kawhi or Paul George. I guess I get the point of having your best defenders as uh, what do they call LeBron free safety, just have them roaming. You know, I understand that. And their length is awesome. But when you have playoffs, right. When you have both fucking Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, why don't you guard the only guy that can do a single thing on offense for the Dallas Mavericks? Why don't you have Kawhi glued to him? Like you had LeBron glued to fuck or had him glued to LeBron in the fucking finals. And instead of going to six games with this honestly average Mavericks team besides Luca, why don't you sweep them and get ready for the second round? This is ridiculous. Yeah, the Clippers, the Clippers definitely didn't really have their foot on the gas coming into this matchup. And you could tell, you know, say I think I think I think Luca has a lot of grudges from you know that last series. So he right. definitely came, he definitely came into this game with a chip on his shoulder. I mean there was a play like early in the first quarter, he was backing down um, Pat Beverly that, you know, he ended up getting an and one. And then he looks at Pat Beverly saying like, oh, oh, oh you're, you're, you're too, fucking, too small. fucking small. You're too fucking small. And honestly, man, like, I don't know. I don't know what was going on, especially in that third quarter. Cause I mean, I want to say the Mavericks were, um, or the Clippers were running a switch and then they ended up having Zubox guarding Luca on the perimeter. Then Luca was just cooking him, yeah. just knocking down perimeter shots. And I'm like, why isn't Paul George or Kawhi Leonard? Like two of, two right. of the best, perimeter defenders in the NBA today right and not guarding the best player on the opposing team a guy who many consider to be an MVP candidate a guy who considered to be like you know like like the future of the NBA right like he's basically you know hardened exactly like you know you like for them for them to not I, I don't I don't know what kind of defensive scheme the Clippers were coming into for this first game yeah Hopefully, hopefully going into game two, Tyler Lue will definitely make some adjustments. I'm hoping that Kawhi will possibly take that challenge and guard Luka because he was just getting basically like basically everything that he wanted. And I mean, and, and I mean to be honest, like if you look at that game, I mean, if Luka didn't really have like that great of a scoring matchup, the Mavericks would have never won that game. To be honest, right, right. Luka, Luka definitely gave them a big lift in that, and that's what like you know implemented to the winning. But, I'm sure that you saw, you know, on Twitter throughout the entire game, you know, the pandemic P was was trending all over, yeah, <laughs> all over yeah. Twitter and whatnot. Which I mean sucks what which I mean I can't really defend Paul George because I mean he did he did have a bad first half. He shot like one for yeah. but he, he did end up coming through in the second half, but you know, obviously it's not enough. So Right. This should be a do or die situation for Paul George. I mean, the Clippers, the Clippers are in a position where they can make it out of the Western Conference. You know they they had championship. Should, yeah, yeah, they had championship expectations last year, but they fell short. This is also Kawhi Kawhi Leonard's you know player option season. So at the end, at the end of the season, yeah, he, he 
decide whether he can stay or or end up going to another team. So, right, and everyone says him going back to the Clippers is a near certainty. If there's the, if there's one guy you shouldn't pretend about certainties with, it should be fucking Kawhi Leonard. You have no idea what that dude's gonna do. All right. Um, and yeah, the thing is with Paul George, it's do or die in the sense that he needs to prove himself, but not in terms of contract, baby, because they already signed him to a max extension, regardless of if Kawhi resigns. And that's going Which to is fucking, another reason why he has to step up. Right. And that's going to be fucking suck for the Clippers if he sucks and he's there and Kawhi's gone. I mean, could you trade Paul George for someone that's even two thirds as good as him with his contract? Like if he chokes in the playoffs again, like are you really going to get? What Pascal Siakam for Paul George? Probably not, right? No, nah. no, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get Bradley for Paul George. That's for sure. I don't think so. At least it's a tough situation right now, man. And, and that's why, like, I'm I'm rooting for Paul George. I'm really rooting for him. Oh my God, Paul George, I need you to come through. Because I mean, a lot of people don't understand, like. He actually played good last year in the second round against Denver, but you know, obviously that obviously that game seven was where you know he was where right. the Clippers were just awful. So did Kawhi, yeah, Kawhi yeah, stuff. Kawhi, Kawhi, Kawhi didn't play well either. Honestly, honestly, I mean, the, the whole Clippers didn't play well. Lou Williams missed like six, seven straight layups. Right, it was, right. <laughs> it was just a mess, basically, man. So, so I mean, so like I said, I mean, this this should be a postseason where Paul George comes into this it says, you know what, I'm, I'm, all I'm here to do is just take care of business. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the Clippers, the Clippers are, my, in my opinion, my favorite to come out of the West, all because of that, all because of that Rondo trade that happened. So I'm really hoping, yeah. that, I really hope that coming into game two, Kawhi and Paul George, like, you know, have, have an answer for the Mavericks game one. Yeah. I want to ask, do you know if Ibaka's hurt or is he just not playing well this year? Cause he only got 13 minutes and he and Zubac played uh, 19. I'm not 100% sure. I know, I know, like, probably, like, weeks ago, he, like, he was sidelined, but I don't know if he's actually still hurt. I don't know if Tyler's keeping him on a minutes restriction or – Yeah. I, I it sounds crazy because I know, I, know, I know right now they're giving, you know, Marcus Morris more minutes, and, you know, and other guys as well. So, I don't know. I mean, if Serge, if Serge is hurt, that is a big blow for the Clippers because Serge right. is a defensive presence, especially, like, down in that, down in that interior. So – Hopefully he does get more minutes going forward. Yeah, because I thought Sergi Baca was like the best contender pickup of the offseason. He's just Definitely. the perfect modern center and has championship experience. And their centers last year were a bit of a an issue in the playoffs. But yeah, if they're not gonna play them, I don't know what to tell you. Uh the third game of the day was also decently interesting as far as playoffs games go. It wasn't a full-on blowout. There's Boston, Brooklyn. Brooklyn's probably the title favorites right now, especially with where the Lakers are. We'll cover that in a second. It was close for the entire game with the Celtics even leading by like 13 in the third quarter at some point. And then the Nets just took over and it wasn't really all that difficult. And their defense didn't need to do much either. They just couldn't stop scoring, which is exactly how people envisioned this type of, uh, postseason to go for the Brooklyn Nets. Nick, did you watch this game at all? Yeah, I did. I did watch it. And in all honesty, man, like I I, I basically think that Brooklyn got the series in a wrap. I mean I, I do I definitely yeah. think that, I, de- I definitely think that that the series is going to end in five games. And I think Boston has some chance, which, which sucks because I mean Jason Tatum's playing well. Marcus Smart actually played pretty good last night. He did, he did. 
Kemba Walker is just once again inconsistent, the stinking of the joint. I want to say like yeah. I want to shot like five for like eighteen or something like that. I, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure. I have to go look. It's five for sixteen, three for seven from three, and fifteen points. Yeah, he was not great, but you know who was fucking Robert Williams. Robert Williams was playing his like, ass off, man. Like nine blocks. I want to say nine, nine like, blocks, eleven points, nine rebounds, nine blocks. Some real Larry Sanders shit. I loved that. And he was impacting the game. I understand that he's been injured for a lot of the season and 23 minutes is probably high for what Robert Williams was playing in the regular season. So Uh I'd say play him more, but there's probably a reality where they just can't. I just loved watching him play. He blocked every key player on the nets at the rim. You know, uh, I haven't seen a lot of people do that. And And he was good on the perimeter too, because I mean, I want to say I want to say he had like a few blocks on James Harden out there. So I mean, so Robert Williams, Robert Williams is definitely he's definitely making a difference. Yeah, and if obviously it's probably not going to make a big difference in this series, they're destined to to get swept basically. But it is a great uh, pre message. What was it like a premonition? I don't know for the Celtics. If Robert Williams is this, you know, if he's just not if he's not just playoff fawning this right now. Because playoff Thon was the best center I've ever seen in my entire life eh, when he played for the Bucks. Something happened in the playoffs. If he's not just this, if he's this in the regular season, you have a center. And they them not having a center was the biggest issue they had the entire season. That would be very cool for them if they had a center that could switch onto the perimeter. And then they'd only be missing a four. They'd be missing that Gordon Hayward spot or a Kemba replacement. And then they're contenders again. But yeah, in my opinion, the best game, the only game that you're going to win against a contender if you're an under like an upset type thing is either in the first game when they're still figuring it out especially a team like brooklyn and that's why you saw brooklyn struggle regardless of boston's defense because they're still putting themselves together or that classic 3-0 series where the team gets lazy and they just let you have a win before they complete the sweep i don't think they're going to get to that point because once brooklyn gets on a rhythm they're going to get on a rhythm so i don't see them taking a game in this series i do see tatum putting up a 50 pointer though maybe one of these games that'd be fun any other thoughts on the series I think that Boston will probably take game three just because, like, it'll be a momentum switch since since the, right. the uh, series is transitioning to Boston. So I, I, I definitely think that Tatum will probably have, like, his best game there. But, like, you know, outside of that, I mean, even though Brooklyn is still trying to figure themselves out, I think I think their big three basically know, like, basically – they basically know, like, how to play with one another, James Harden and Kyrie. Right. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. You know, Katie can move up without the ball. Kyrie can play off the ball, allow James Harden to be that facilitator, that facilitator and that – decision maker and you know right. just let just let everything else come into play so i mean basically yeah i mean this series will be over in a, over in five games and we'll see brooklyn end up playing either milwaukee or miami yeah milwaukee or miami so yeah. both of which would be good series obviously i'm rooting yeah, for milwaukee well. because you know where i was born and locations matter to to people for some reason so i'm a bucks fan <laughs> um and that would be a great series but in terms of like a real defense testing the Nets, either team they meet would be great. Miami's defense is up there as well. I would oh, just yeah. love to see, you know, Drew on Kyrie or Harden, Middleton on the other one, and then Giannis on KD. I don't think there's another team in the league that matches up with the Brooklyn three as well as that, you know? would be That would be a great fucking series, and I'd love to see it. So what do you think would be worse, like, like – like what would, you, what would you think would be yours? Would it be the Knicks losing in the first round or the Bucks? Or not, sorry, not the Bucks. The Nets losing in the second round. 
So the Bucks losing in the first round and the Nets losing in the second round? No, like the Knicks losing in the first round and the Nets losing in the second round. Because obviously, I mean, they have that New York rivalry. So, you know, the Knicks fans and Nets fans are going at it and whatnot. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, you mean in terms of the, oh, easily, easily the Nets going out in the second one. Are you kidding me? If the Nets don't win a title, they're going to hear it from Knicks fans and players oh, for the yeah. entire next year. If the Knicks don't make it in the first round, guess what? They're ahead of schedule. You know, they were well, supposed his to thing, though, like, like, do they have that excuse because, you know, Harden's been hurt, KD has been hurt, Kyrie has been out of the lineup. So basically, like, do they have that excuse to, like, to say, like, oh, they didn't have a lot of time to, like, to, to measure one another on the floor? Even though I don't think that that would be, that'll be an excuse, but I'm sure, like, you know, the coaching staff and everybody will try to pull that off. In my opinion, if the Heatles got a year and people don't talk about that as, like, a really bad thing, then Brooklyn gets a year. And obviously that hinders on the Nets actually winning a title in the future. So obviously if they don't win this year and the next year, there's no chance at a dynasty. But if they lose this year and they win next year in the grand scope of things, just like it did with LeBron James's heat and Wayne Wayne and Chris Bosh and all those men, then yeah, it's not going to matter because they still won and everyone's going to say, like they said with the heat, they're just figuring it out. You know, they're trying to figure out how to have so many egos and personalities and, great games together in one game or in one team. So they'll, they'll pull that and I'll accept it because we're, I mean, I don't hear anyone saying that they're frauds for not winning that first year. So that does not matter to me, you know? Right. All right. Let's move on to the last game of the night. I watched about half of it before I went to bed because I work full time now. And uh, I didn't watch any of this game. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, I saw one tweet that pretty puts an emphasis an emphasis on everything. It said, uh, trading Gary Harris for Aaron Gordon to guard big wings and then having to play Dame, CJ, and Norman Powell in the first round is just some fucking bullshit, you know? That fucking sucks for Denver. They've got no one that can guard. And not even just that. Sorry, that's not the whole tweet. It's not even that you traded Gary Harris, who is your best perimeter defender. Uh, everyone else in your backcourt is fucking hurt. Jamal's gone. Will Barton didn't play in the first game. They're playing uh, fucking Marcus Howard from Marquette, like – 11 minutes a game and no one really envisioned that i went to marquette i'm not trying to like talk any shit i just i did not picture him making it to the nba let alone play for the nuggets in the first round really? so the the, the dude plays like the a leading scorer last year like like in, in, in the entire ncaa he was the leading scorer yeah i know but i mean he plays I, he plays like isaiah thomas and he doesn't have like a sixth of the skill that isaiah thomas had you know he's tiny and he can shoot that works. That's good for you. But if you don't do like three other things, you're never going to stay in the NBA. That's why Yogi Ferrell didn't stay in the NBA. Yogi Ferrell had that great first season, was like all rookie second team, and then just was out of the league in three years because he couldn't do anything else. That's true, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. They can't guard Dame, CJ, or Norman Powell. Uh, Jokic still had an awesome game. So he'll probably have enough awesome games that they can still pull this out. At this point, though, I'm torn. Because I did expect Denver to win this series, but whenever you start with a 1-0 lead, you want to watch the the charisma on the second game. Is the team that's on the zero side feeling a little bit, you know, energized and trying to match it up, or are they defeated? On the other end, are they confident? Or are they nervous that they're winning? I want to see that second game because if I don't imagine Dame being nervous being up 1-0. So if Denver isn't ready for it and they fall to 2-0 right away, it's going to be fucking trouble. Uh, hopefully, they get some more games that aren't. I think tomorrow they have. 
the night game at 9 p.m. So hopefully in the future they get some games that aren't as late so we can actually watch them. Right. Today, the first game of the day was 8 versus 1, Wizards versus 76ers. A very well-covered beef, I guess, is Russell Westbrook and Joel Embiid. They do not like each other, and they have fought several times. Beyond that, it was Bradley Beal and Ben Simmons, who both had respective good games. Close game for the entire game. I mean, fairly close. Uh, Wizards had a great lead. Did you watch the game, Nick? I watched it. I watched, I, watched, I watched good bits and pieces of it. But, I mean, you could tell, like, you know, Washington is continuing that momentum that they've had, like, yeah. for so long, you know, with, with, with um, Bradley Beal and Westbrook leading the way. And then, and then also, I mean, oh, my God, bro, this is my guy, Daniel Gafford. In, Daniel in Gafford, yeah, dude. For the Washington Wizards. He has been killing it. Like, he was shutting down the guys against Indiana. And then yeah. and then even today, like, he was giving Joel B problems, Dwight Howard problems in that middle. Daniel Gafford has played tremendous. Like yeah. we were talking about Robert Williams. Daniel Gafford did the same yeah. thing, like a Diet Coke version of that performance against uh, the Sixers and got even closer to uh, a win. And they're giving him little minutes too. I think he's, it's another thing with injuries, but they got him over from Chicago because Chicago had too many centers and they were accepting Daniel Tice from Boston. Mm-hmm. I don't think they, they also sent them Chandler Hutchinson. I'm pretty sure who posts on TikTok. I don't know if you fucking saw that, but he had a TikTok, he had a TikTok that was like uh, him like slow motion laughing or some shit. And it's like when your team trades you and you help them make the playoffs after the playing game. I don't think Chandler Hutchinson plays for the Wizards, if I'm fully honest. I don't think he plays any minutes. So it's really weird to see him do that. But I guess he's younger and he that's just what he does. But yeah, Gafford's been fucking killing it. Um, and he played and beat it better than any other center can play MB. Their other center, though, fucking Robert Lopez, nicknamed Captain Hook because he shot 60% on hook shots this season. Washed. Oh, come on. He was doing it in that game. He was like their third leading yeah. scorer. I like Captain Hook because Robin Lopez is also a, a, a Disney adult. Disney adults scare the shit out of me, but he's a Disney mm-hmm. adult. And the Captain Hook thing, whatever. It's cute. I thought it was cute. You don't have to agree with me. Um I, it was a close game, but uh, it, it's Joel Embiid. What do you think? Five, six? What do you mean? For like the series? Like, do you think? It's oh, like- um, I'll say six. I think, yeah. I think Philly, I think Philly will take game two. And then, but like the, the thing about Washington is Washington is such a great home team. So I think that that's true. Take, I, I think that they'll take games three and four. And then going back, I think, I think Philly will take those last two games, five to six. Cool. That's fair. Uh, we'll keep that prediction in mind. Uh, Bradley's going to win them at least one game. Uh, I can't imagine Russell will. I love Russell Wilson or Russell Westbrook, Seattle, whatever. Um, I really do. I'm a big fan. I think the triple double thing is awesome. He needs at least one playoff moment for us to point for us to point to. So we can pretend he's not bad in the playoffs because he's bad in the playoffs. He just is. It's not even like, bad shooting performances and turnovers trying too hard. They're bad shots and they're bad turnovers. He'll pull up a pull-up that hits the fucking side of the backboard and do it like twice in that game. Oh my God. Not even do a little bit. And then that, that turnover, that turnover, they were down five with like 40, 50 seconds left. And they could have, you know, got down to two or three, get one more stop and you can tie the game. He fucking just falls out of bounds. Like he knew he was going to go out of bounds. And instead of passing it out, he tried to do some cool dribble it in the air thing and then get back in bounds and do it and still stepped out of fucking bounds. It's just dumb. 
I don't understand why he can't just settle himself down. It, we've been seeing it for years, for years. And I am not trying to make this seem that he is any less of a player. He is one of the better whatevers. I'm not going to put a number on it. Point guards of all time. He's got the triple-double record for a reason. It's not just stat padding. There is some stat padding, but he is influencing the way the game is played. And I don't know. He dropped 20-20-20 for Nipsey. That was pretty cool. I, I just need to see him do something in the playoffs. If he does even one game, like one buzzer beater to win a game, I can convince my brain that he's not bad in the playoffs, despite everything else. But I need that one game, man. Uh, I don't think we'll get this series, though. It's just not going to happen. I honestly don't ever see Russell Westbrook winning a championship, honestly, like for his career. Nah. But I mean, that's okay, though. I mean, I think, I think the people will give him his respect, give him his props for what he has done throughout this year yeah. or throughout his career, per se. But I will agree with you. You know, Russell Westbrook hasn't had like the best of playoff performances over the last few years, right. I would say, particularly against Portland in 2019 when Damian Lillard just cooked them. Damian Lillard cooked them. I know my OKC fans don't like hearing that. But Damian Lillard cooked Russell Westbrook throughout the series. I know, I know, oh, yeah. I know, I know Westbrook won one game, but that was about it. But Dame's but, always whipping his ass. I mean, he was. That was the that was the year that uh, it's either it's either Russell getting whooped by Dame Lillard or Paul George getting whooped by Joe Ingles. Fucking those OKC guys oh, were just getting random team, random players. Well, Dame's not random, but Dame was cooking Russ, and we can't pretend any different, man. Without question. Don't even give me started. Don't even, don't even give me started like the year before when they played Utah. Because oh my god, like Utah basically kicked their ass. Paul George had that tor- that terrible game six where he got like <laughs> sixty for the that that is the one reason why people start calling him pandemic P and all that because of these yeah. performances, which is why I'm rooting for Paul George. I'm rooting for him. He has great regular seasons, fantastic regular seasons. He had a really good season this year. Yeah, he yeah. needs to show up. He needs to. He, he he went on he went on all the smoke and said, "I'm on everybody's ass. I'm yeah. on motherfuckers' ass. Show us that. Show us that. Not just in the regular season, in the playoffs." I know I'm kind of going off topic, but I well, just- I was actually going to say we're getting off topic, but I want to continue with one more thing. It's it's especially weird because he was both dominant and clutch in the playoffs as an Indiana Pacer. And it doesn't make any sense. I mean, the dude was going toe-to-toe with prime LeBron, not Cleveland LeBron, which was still an all-time LeBron, not Laker LeBron, who we've shown is is aging at this point, even though he's still great. He was going with Heat LeBron. He was going toe-to-toe with Heat LeBron. He never beat him. He never beat him. A lot of teams never beat LeBron. But, but you can't tell me that Indiana team didn't believe that they could beat Miami. Right. And Paul George was clutch. He was hitting clutch threes, let alone baskets. He was playing incredible defense. He was the only player on that team that was even close to a superstar besides himself, you know, and he was exactly. leading his team. How does that not translate? Like, did Russell Westbrook just break him or is he just doomed? It, it did it, Honestly, because before he met Russell Westbrook, he was good in the playoffs. And then he played with Russell Westbrook in the playoffs. I'm, I'm not blaming Russ. It's just funny to point that out. Yeah, but, but yeah, but, but I mean, but that's the thing though, because I mean, a lot of people will like, will like throw that shade at Russ, saying that you know Russ doesn't make people better. But in reality, he made, he made Oladipo better. Yeah, exactly. But Paul George had an MVP caliber season with Russell Westbrook. Right, so right, right. So it was like you know, a lot of people like to consider Russ a bad teammate, but a lot of a lot of players have elevated playing alongside Russ, which is crazy. But 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 yeah, I mean, like I said, I me mean, Paul George. 
Paul George, I, I don't, I don't know what it is, man. I don't know if the pressure is just too, too much on him. I don't know. You know, he's definitely an all star. Yeah. I don't think anybody can take that away from him. You no. know what I'm he's a fantastic wing player, but in order to get over that hump from like you know all star to maybe superstar per se, even though I don't believe that he will ever be a superstar, right? He has to at least show up in the playoffs. Even if they do go out in the second or third round, at least, at least like go into that game, like, you know, what a mindset trying to win. And like, if he ends up like scoring like 45 points per se in, a, in, a, um, right. in an um, elimination game, I would hope that people will have a little more respect for him, even though, even though like, even though Twitter probably won't, but. Right. You know, and there's always that old adage, just like uh, NBA Twitter when Jimmy has a bad game versus when playoff or uh, Paul George has a bad game and it's the crowd at SpongeBob and the one at not for Jimmy. Oh, yeah. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I will say that I do consider Jimmy to be a better player than Paul George right now. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, if, and if Paul George stinks it up again, I'm putting him under Chris Middleton. Oh, in the playoffs, I'd oh, rather no, have Chris. One. In the playoffs, if he does oh, it again, no, if he does it again, baby, I promise you. Well, that also depends on how Chris plays for the rest. Would of that game. would that I mean know. that Paul George would be under Tobias Harris? No, well, it, that sucks because Tobias is playing really fucking well too. Tobias um, is playing well on both ends though, as well. Yeah, that's true. Well, you think what you think Chris isn't guarding people? Well, no, Chris is definitely stepping up. Chris is definitely. Stepping up. <laughs> I'm fucking around. It's not that big of a. My concern with Chris Middleton is that you know that there have been moments in the past where you know he has not shown up. That's true. And a lot of people were questioning like, was he a great second option behind Giannis? And I was saying like, you know what, maybe maybe give Chris Middleton a little more time so he, that he can prove himself. Right, right. So he definitely has throughout this year. So like, Chris Middleton and Paul George are kind of like in the same predicament. Like. I, I would that, agree. I would agree. I'm hoping that they will keep that momentum going, especially like going into um, going throughout this postseason. Because it's interesting, like the Bucks and the Clippers are both championship contenders. So right for they, them they to be that second option, like they're going to have to definitely step up tremendously. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it does help when you're either your second best player is either Drew or, or or Chris. You don't have to like go like, oh, is it Chris or fucking Bobby Portis? You know. Um, That's true. So and but Chris has shown up so far, and the biggest thing is that he's been clutch for several years now. He, if he isn't having a good game prior, he can't just chuck in a in a in a game winner. But he has shown that when he's on and they put the ball in his hands late. I mean, everyone remembers that Boston buzzer beater that tied the game from like half court from a few years ago. He's done it. So he's done it again the Heat before. But anyways, uh, second game of the day today is my second favorite series of the first round if bucks heat is my first it's lakers suns uh a matchup between best friends besties chris paul and lebron james although after today's game maybe not we'll get into that in a second uh they're best they're very close they've never played in the playoffs before mainly because they were on opposite conferences and are either switched at inopportune times um and the two-seeded Suns, who have been dominant all season but did not expect to see the reigning champion Los Angeles Lakers in the first round. Nick, did you watch? And if not, what are your thoughts? But give me your thoughts regardless. I only watched, like, bits of the first quarter, but then I had to go run some errands. But gotcha. by the way, people have been talking on Twitter and by the stats that, I've, um, that I looked at after the game, it seemed like DeAndre Ayton was just basically cooking um, Anthony Davis and DeAndre Drummond. Yeah. But the – I don't know. I mean, by, 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 by the looks of that first quarter, the Suns came with a lot of energy. Like they yep. are excited. Like 
this is a lot of guys first time ever playing in a playoff game. Like they came with a lot of energy and they had the crowd behind them. So it's, I think the Lakers are cool. still basically trying to figure each other out per se. Cause yeah. I mean, like obviously I mean, LeBron's missed time, Anthony Davis missed time. And then they, and then they have so many new acquisitions and, you know, Andre Drummond and Ben and a whole lot of other guys. So the Lakers might be still trying to find them stuff. And, you know, I honestly, I mean, like, even though I have the Lakers winning the series, I think chemistry can play a big part into yeah. them, like possibly losing this series. Because I mean, you you can obviously tell, like you know, the Suns are clicking because you know they they figured they figured each other out with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, um, right, Kane, you know, and you know a, a lot a lot a lot of these other guys, Jay Crowder as well. Jay Crowder Toy, had a great game, yeah. Toy Craig was a great pickup um, <laughs> in the trade deadline per se. So uh, <laughs> I'm still pissed Suns, about that. We're still pissed about that. I mean, but I mean. The Suns, the, the Suns have everything clicking right now, and I think the Lakers are still trying to figure out, like you know, like how how they can like you know benefit off of each other right. on the floor. So the Suns right now have momentum, and you know, and honestly, I mean, I think a lot of people are, are are expecting them to ride that into game two. Yeah, I think it's really cool. I watched the whole game, so I'm going to go in a little bit of a rant about it. But I wanted to ask really quick, Devin Booker at 24. This is his playoff debut, first time because he used to play for the Suns. Now he plays for the good Suns. Uh, he dropped 34, 7, and 8 on 50% shooting. It was a plus 9 in a game that they won by 9. Is this the best playoff debut by a young star we've seen in, like, a long time? I want to say yes. I mean, it kind of it kind of makes me reflect back on um on the Derrick Rose playoff debut when he ended yeah. up Cause I remember that game like like it was yesterday. Like he was just straight cooking Boston, right? But it, it might it might actually be. I mean, Devin Booker, like I said, I mean one of those sons that came out with a lot of energy. I mean, Devin Booker's like playoff debut has been long overdue. I mean, oh, like right. over the last like five or six years, the Suns have been just so awful. Like you know, building a team around him. And I remember one year like after the season ended, like he ended out like the exit interview with a quote like, "I'm tired of missing the playoffs of this and yep. this and this." And I was saying, last like, year. Yeah, and 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 I, and I was saying that, and I was basically like responding to that, saying like, you know what, like, if the Suns do not like make like any like any like type of transitions over the next few years, he needs to ask for a trade because he is hindering he is, he is hindering his development as an overall player to stay mm-hmm. uh, just staying with a trash franchise. And to be honest, like you know, a lot of people, a lot of people have said it, and I honestly agree. Like, if the Suns did lose DeAndre Ayton last year for those twenty five games, they might actually be in the play. They might have actually been in the playoffs last year. Yeah. I mean, they started the season out so great, and then obviously Aiden had went out, and then even they even carried that into the bubble as well, going undefeated. So yeah, just adding, Aiden, um, just adding Chris Paul to that mix just elevated their chances as a whole. Now yeah. I didn't expect them to be a two seed, but right, for, right for them to be to, for them to be in the position now to like to where they have a home home court advantage. I mean, is is it's honestly just remarkable, and we and we saw what they can do in today's game. Yeah, it was an electric game. And my main thing with Devin Booker is this. He has played very well in his career and never been in the playoffs. So if you thought that even for a second that Chris Paul was a crutch for him, Chris Paul was a guy that could take attention away from Devin Booker and makes his life easier. That's true to some extent. But Chris Paul missed over five minutes of the game, actual minutes, not game like real live minutes. Um with a shoulder injury that did not Wait, look like much. By the way. What's up? 
Was that injury like really bad, by the way? Because I mean, according to Twitter, everybody's like, oh my God, CP3. Oh my God. So I didn't actually watch it, but I mean, according to everybody on Twitter, like it, it sounded like it was really bad. So it didn't look bad. He is uh, running back after like a made basket and clips his chin on uh, Cam Johnson's shoulder or just like his bicep, even. And mm-hmm. his, his, his head snaps a little bit, but he doesn't grab that. He grabs like the end of his neck. And he, like, can't, like, move his arm for a second. And he's on the ground, like, in a lot of fucking pain. He went to the locker room. They called it a shoulder contusion. And he came out. Um, I'll, I'll talk about what he looked like when he came back. But first, I want to say is that in that time, Devin Booker was the Phoenix Suns point guard and their short shooting guard. That means he was the only guy looking to pass first and shoot first. He was the offense. And he played his fucking ass off. Like I said, 34 points on 12, uh, 13 of 26 shooting. It's very efficient. And he was cooking everyone on the Lakers. Not a single person could guard him. And they started doubling him for most of the fucking game. Chris Paul came back in and uh, he still had some moments, but you could tell that his right arm, which is where he, the shoulder that he had the injury wasn't as good. Every time he tried to dribble with his right, he'd lost the handle. He had several turnovers in the second half. Uh, He still hit like two clutch uh, free throw line jumpers because he's fucking Chris Paul, but I would keep an eye on that as the series goes. Chris Paul exiting playoffs because of injuries is all too familiar for us, and we want as much as Phoenix want it, wants it. I think all NBA fans are a fan of Chris, and they're wanting to see him have a full playoffs without getting injured. Um, with that being said, I have to issue an apology to DeAndre Ayton. Oh. As recently as the beginning of this season, I called DeAndre Ayton Bahamas Drummond, okay? And I just said he was the Bahamas version of Andre Drummond, just some big dude that can grab boards but has no game. It is clear after today's game that he is significantly better than Andre Drummond. Even after this season. Right. After... It does not take much to prove that you are better than Andre Drummond. So that is my first apology. It's so funny seeing everybody just shit on Drummond, man. It's it's everybody it's, knew. Everybody that reads a fucking article or watches the game for more than five minutes knows that Andre Drummond. Not listen. He can be. I, I if he gets picked up by like Charlotte this year in the off season, and Lamelo Ball is his pick and roll partner, he could put up good numbers. I'm not saying that he's got some talent. Everybody knew that he was not going to fit with the fucking Lakers and fit with AD and LeBron. There's but, no fit there. But here's the thing, though. Like, this is why I, I was agreeing with everybody, though. Like, you know, whenever I said it, cause, because here's the thing, though. Like, everybody was expecting Drummond to be, like, a third option behind LeBron. And, you know, it's like, no, that is not what Andre Drummond is here to do. Right. Andre Drummond was signed for a reason, because the Lakers lost JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard in right. the ages last year. So, they're missing that length under the basket, which 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 really helped them winning championship last year. So I would say all Andre Drummond had to do was rebound and defend. That's right. all they have to do. The scoring can come after. Yeah. But for the fact, like like you know, say I'm watching Laker games. You know, Drummond's getting offensive rebounds and he's putting back layups and you know just really just missing blown opportunities. And I'm like, dude, like what what the hell? Like you're fucking right. seven. He can't more. do any of it. He can't do any of it. And it's, I- it's insane. I don't know if he's got like dirty pictures of Vogel or something, but they're giving him so many fucking minutes too. I mean, 
I need to see what some more. What the fuck mar- was you say? Yeah, <laughs> dirty pictures of Vogel. I mean, I don't, I don't see any other reason why he'd be playing him at this point. He's like everyone with their eyes can see how bad Drummond is out there, and he's not this bad of a player. But the fit with LA doesn't work either. I need to see some Marcus All minutes in this in this series. Marcus All hasn't been that great either. Though he hasn't, season, he hasn't, but he can do like the fundamentals at the very worst, you know, I, right. I, I want to see them at least give him a little bit of run. Um, but the story isn't about how Aiton dominated Andre Drummond because he did when he had any chance, he was dominating Anthony Davis. And if you looked at Twitter at any point today, the two most trending topics, one of the two was uh, LaFraud, which is always one of my favorites. I like LeBron. I'm a LeBron fan. I don't think he is. But LaFraud is one of the funniest. Like, I know people do, like, LeBum and shit. I don't think that's that funny. I think LaFraud is great. It's perfect if you actually want to, like, piss off LeBron fans. And A-Disney, which is so fucking good, too. Um, So, A-D. Well, let's just compare right now. The Suns, DeAndre Aiden had 21 points, 16 rebounds, 10 for 11 from the field. He only missed one shot. And one block. Anthony Davis had 13 points, seven rebounds, two assists on five of 16 shooting, 0 for two from the three, uh, from the three, and three blocks. I mean, three blocks. He was still making an impact on the defensive end, but he fucking. I I, I don't understand what happens even when AD is struggling from the the you know, from the field, like trying to score. He should be able to impact the game in other ways. And for some reason, every time he can't score, he just decides not to rebound either. He just forgets how to rebound. I don't understand what happened. So he has these invisible games. DeAndre Ayton was cooking him, whether it was on the glass or on the defensive end or fucking putting up a shot in his face. He was doing everything better than him. I am still baffled by the Phoenix Suns' decision to not draft Luka Doncic in the first round. But DeAndre Ayton showed something today in his first playoff game ever that he might be enough. You know, he could be, if, if, if Luca is a very much worse version of Michael Jordan, DeAndre Ayton could become his very much worse version of Hakeem Olajuwon. Yeah, the Trailblazers, or the, the Rockets would have loved to have Michael Jordan, but I think they're okay that they got Hakeem Olajuwon. You know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> he brought up the dream. All the, oh my God. Well, well, well hold on. It, well, <laughs> However much worse Luca is going to be than MJ, which is going to be a fair amount, is the same distance between Hakeem and DeAndre. I'm just putting in the perspective of a wing that impacted the game and everything and a big man that worked two ends and could win some stuff. I get it. I'm, I'm also going to go off topic once again because, like, like right on the side of me, I got the Knicks and Hawks game in the Garden. Oh, is oh, oh, yeah. How's that right going? Now. I was trying to the keep The Garden eye. is rocking. Um, the, the Knicks finally took the lead. I want to say it's like a two-point game going into the fourth quarter. Oh my god. I think they're tied with 30 seconds in right now. This is all right. We're gonna have to wrap this. Yeah, I know. We're gonna have to wrap this up so we can watch this, honestly. Exactly. I I I am so happy for Knicks for the Knicks. Yeah. I am so happy for them, man. They got a good ass team too. I I I wanna great team. Um, well, we'll talk about that one in a second. No, we'll talk about that now. That one's next. Okay, Hawks Knicks uh hawks had whatever what's your thing for lakers Suns? how many games do you think the lakers are still gonna win i i still think the lakers will win and i'm honestly hoping that you know anthony davis had a bad game one but i'm, I'm not expecting that to transcend into the next game same thing with lebron as well but yeah 
the Lakers are going to have to figure out like how to slow down Phoenix because Phoenix is coming yeah. out with a lot of energy and they're beating and they're beating the shit out of them like like just based yeah. on the game. Yeah, even though even though the score did seem close, like the, the Suns were basically kicking their ass. They were kicking their ass the whole game. Uh, uh, Jay Crowder had a great game. Mikael Bridges was putting a lot of guys in Mikael jail. Uh, it was really fucking cool, uh, and I love Mikael Bridges. Booker was the best player in either team, and that's fucking saying a lot. Um, that's it. I think the Suns have a great chance. I think this series could easily go to seven. I want to see game two, but I think the Suns might be the hardest team that the Lakers have to play this postseason. That's a little joke. I'm not going to count out the Suns, like, trying to win this series, but I feel like with the Lakers just having that championship experience. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not counting out LeBron. I mean, how many times has LeBron lost a game one, even a game two of a series, and not given a shit the next four, you know? LeBron's always doing that. Doesn't matter. We'll see uh next hawks what's going on right now like we said it's probably going to be the the second closest series in the east if uh including not including the bucks and heat hawks super uh bad under lloyd pierce super good under nate mcmillan that's basketball analysis people that's why they give me the big bucks is to say stuff like that they've been playing great this year trey young the foul hunter that he is is still super talented on the offensive end, and he makes their en- engines run. Bogdan Bogdanovich is basically black marked from my brain. I don't remember him whenever he does anything because it hurts too much to see. The Bucks would be a title favorite over the Brooklyn Nets if they had him right now. That's how good he has been for the Atlanta Hawks. They've got DeAndre Hunter, who is scheduled to be part of the McHale school of young wings that can do both ends. He has been injured for a lot of this season, but he's probably going to see a lot of R- or a lot of uh, RJ Barrett and or Julius Randle in this series. Let's see if he can keep up with that. John Collins, probably going to stay with the Hawks. He's their second leading scorer, he big man. He better. Yeah, he, he's going to – I hope they pay him because, honestly, I don't understand how you wouldn't pay your second best player on a team that's fourth in the East, fifth in the East, whatever it is. And Clint Capella, the big man, the guy that was part of the Harden revolution when Mike D'Antoni came to town, block shots, gets rebounds, does everything on offense, only if a point guard gives him the ball in the right position. But he was like second in the league in blocks. He plays great. The Knicks, why don't you cover the Knicks, and what do you think you're you're going to see? Well, as of right now um... – the Knicks, the Knicks are getting really good contributions from their bench. Obviously, Derrick Rose, per se, but even guys like Taj Gibson, um, Alec Burks, um, who else Burks. is there out there? On there? I'm, trying, I'm trying to see what's on the floor now. They got uh, quickly, right? M.A.O. Yeah. Quickly's on the floor as well, and, um, and Obi Toppin. So the Knicks oh, actually have, like, I think the Knicks have, like, 45 bench points right now compared to the Hawks, like, 22 or something like that. So, yeah. This might this might be the edge where, where that the Knicks have in the series is like you know it's just getting contributions from everybody. Yeah, the Knicks have uh, had a big season predicated on their depth. I'm looking right now. Quickly is has ten points and he's four for five. I was hearing some analysts speak. I think it might have been the low post saying that quickly exposing Clint Capella's uh, drop coverage was going to be very important, and it looks like he's doing that early. Yep. The Randall's playing well. He's not shooting awesome, but he's still impacting the game with rebounds and assists. He's a negative two right now in a game of the league day three. RJ Barrett also shooting pretty bad. He's one for six from three. He's got 12 and 11, though, which is crazy. They're, yeah, honestly, their highest score is Derrick Rose, and after that is RJ. But beyond that, Alec Burks and Quickly have more points than their, their starters. But as we've seen with basically every game that was in Portland-Denver, this is going to be a low-scoring playoffs. 
Everyone's like, I love right. it. I love it too. There's so much good defense being played. I mean, if you like defense, fucking Bucks Heat is just porn to you at this point. There, it's just dudes on every other end just putting up hellish fucking efforts. It's so cool. It's gonna be the same thing with Lakers Suns. It's gonna be the same thing with honestly, even like Boston, Brooklyn. You're gonna see Jason Tatum do his best on like James Harden because Tatum was guarding Beal really well in the playing game. Yeah, um, it was, but like. It gives you like that old school flavor to it. Cause like when was the last time like a like two teams that went into the fourth and the score is like 70, 75 to 70 or something like that? Like that's yeah. normally like first half scores for like for for the NBA player for the NBA yeah. team. Yeah, it only happens in the playoffs now, and it happens a lot more in the playoffs than you think. I remember a lot of the uh, the, the bubble had a lot of uh, outlier shooting performances, but a lot. Yeah. I mean, especially the Heat Bucks series from last season in the second round was super low scoring. We're gonna see it a lot more. I think the Hawks next one is gonna be like this. I think the Knicks are going to win every game in their building. So even if it goes to seven, I've got the Knicks in seven at least. What do you think? I think that the Knicks will win this one, but I think Atlanta could possibly sneak that game too. Just just kind of get them okay. a little bit more. Just kind of give them some momentum going into Atlanta for game three. But I definitely still have the Knicks winning in six games. Yeah. All right. Uh, I agree with that. Last game on the docket, and then we're going to head out because you want to finish this game and be able to watch it. Jazz one, Grizzlies eight. No one is giving the Jazz their roses, and I understand that. I'm not saying I think the Grizzlies are going to beat them. I'm just saying that as first tests go, it's going to be tough, especially with what has been confirmed, Donovan Mitchell missing the first game of the series. He's been out for more than two months at this point with an He's ankle thing. He's been gone thing. for a minute. So even which if he's why, down, Which is ahead. why I'm not high on them having, like, a really, like, deep playoff run. Because, I mean, yeah. I know a lot of people – a lot of people have faith in the Utah Jazz. I mean, I understand, you know, they move the ball terrifically and they play well on, on the um, defensive end. But right. you got to have your star guy there, yeah. you know. For them, like, honestly, like, they can't get past teams like, you know, the Clippers or anybody per se without Donovan Mitchell, in my opinion. Right. And uh, it's going to be tough with that. Donovan Mitchell is their leading scorer. He's their leading initiator. He's their leading attacker. Mm-hmm. And in the playoffs every year, his field goal percentage drops precipitously. I'm not criticizing him. That's just a fact of the matter. Last year, when they blew a 3-1 lead against the Denver Nuggets in the first round, Mitchell struggled mightily. Him and Jamal Murray were trading 30, 40-point games in that series, but Mitchell was putting them in a highly inefficient manner. Speaking of inefficient, though, John Morant was technically inefficient. At, what was it? Uh, 30, uh. 39 and 29 shots or something. I don't mm-hmm. care. He it was one game. If it's one game, you don't have to care about efficiency. You have to get your best scorer to score. And they did it. And he had two back to back, you know, mid rangers to end the game. So it didn't even fucking matter in the end. I love this Memphis team. Someone tweeted at me today uh, as people very, very seldom do, but more often than they didn't before I had this podcast uh, telling me that I should I have to apologize to the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't know what I said. It was probably on the podcast. I have been worried about them having a number two star behind John Morant. But if I said anything about their depth, I was absolutely fucking wrong. John oh, Morant yeah, is a star. Yeah. They, they got great production yeah. from guys like Xavier Tillman. Xavier Kyle Tillman. Harrison. Yeah. Like, they got a lot of depth. They do. And Tillman, I mean, basically they draft who NBA Twitter says to draft, and it fucking works every time. Dylan Brooks went to the school of Marcus Smart, and he's playing basically just like him. Kyle Anderson, slow-mo. I love slow-mo so much. What I've noticed about him in their past few games. Modern day Boris Dio. Yeah, he really is. He really is. He went to the school of Boris Dio. He's surprisingly good at chase down blocks. 
I don't know why, but I, he does it a lot. And uh, beyond um, Ja and Dylan when he's hot, he's their primary pick and roll guy. He actually has a lot of offensive responsibility. Surprisingly, he is, which is yeah. crazy. On this Memphis team, he's played really well. I think they need an elite wing to do anything in the West, but it, for an eight seed, this is really fun. JJJ is back and he's hitting threes and he's playing defense. I want to see more out of him because he has a lot of potential and people are expecting a lot more, but so far he's great. And then the number two player on the Memphis Grizzlies, fucking Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah, I I was about to bring him up. Monster. Tell me about the monster, man. Tell me about the monster. Oh, man. I I, I love his play, man. I mean, and to be honest with you, man, he's been doing this even back in his days in Toronto. I I don't think but I mean, He's definitely an important piece. Like you saw, like you know, in that Golden State game when he was on the floor, like they were like trying to trap him. Like they didn't, yep. they didn't give him like easy, easy access to the rim. So like that, that that's what shows you how valuable it is. So it'd be interesting, like seeing him in that matchup against Gobert, like see like if he can get that edge or not. Yeah, uh, it's going to be fun. I I'm I think we're gonna see Gobert just clamp him. And that's going to that's going to fuck NBA Twitter up because they love to criticize Gobert. But uh, yeah. Valanciunas has been playing around with guys like Kevon Looney and uh, Jakob Pertl. He's about to he's about to get introduced to what's going to soon to be the three time Defensive Player of the Year. I think. I mean, he's going to win it this year. I think. Um, with Utah. Mike Conley has been great and it's very ironic for him to be playing Memphis in the first round. Uh, I wish him the best. Mitchell is injured. They start, I think they start Boyan Bogdanovich, who's their like number two scorer. The guy's been on fire the last uh, stretch of the series, uh, the whole season. Sorry. They've got Joe Ingles, who's a parade. I think he's one of the three for the sixth man award. They've got Rudy Gobert. They've got Derek Favors, who's a great backup center for them. They've got Jordan Clarkson, who is also in the top three for defense for sixth man of the year. Right? Is that right? Is it three dudes? Or is it two guys from the Jazz that are in the running? Yeah. Because I thought was it not Ingles? Was it not Ingles? Let's take a look. We're gonna do a, a live uh, check on the pod right now are you talking about um defensive player or six man six man oh yeah yeah it, it's i want to say it's clarkson ingles and derrick rose yeah it is it's two jazz that's so weird i don't know if i've ever seen that before regardless clarkson's gonna win uh and he's he went to the uh the, while we're doing schools he went to the school of lou williams and he's been playing the lou williams role all year it's been pretty fucking cool i expect the jazz to take this in six if Mitchell can come back at any point, but if Ja can expose some drop coverage from Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz, I mean they already expected they has already exceeded expectations this postseason. Why wouldn't they do it again? What are your thoughts before we start wrapping this up, Nick? Um, I really love Memphis, but I think I think I think like you know with with Utah's unselfishness in the way that they're able to like move the ball around and swing it around, I think right. I think. I think that it'd be just like a little bit too much for a young Memphis team. So I do expect this to go to six games, but this would definitely be a learning experience to, uh, to say the least for Memphis, especially going forward. Yeah. And, and for Utah, it's actually a pretty uh, bad matchup for them in any sense, because they'll likely have to play either the Mavericks or well, they'll play the Mavericks or the Clippers in the next round if they win. 
And those are two teams with elite wings and they don't really have elite defenders on the wing. Their best one is probably Royce O'Neal off the bench. Uh, And I like Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal is pretty nice, you know, but he's just a three and D journeyman. He ain't no Kawhi stopper. He ain't no Luka Doncic stopper. So they're going to have like a fun time, like focusing on their best player being a point guard in Memphis and being like, oh, we're an elite defensive unit. And then run into uh, either a pair of guys they can't guard or one MVP caliber guy that they can't guard. I, I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't pick them at least to make it out of either of those uh, matchups. We're going to start to wrap this up. If you're new around here, we haven't posted in a couple of weeks, but I am going to continue to make this on Mondays or publishing on Mondays, recording on Sundays or earlier in the weekend, whenever I can. I used to do this twice a week with casuals episodes on the weekends, a little bit of drinking games and stuff. I am now working full time, which I would have covered in the mental health check if we did the mental health check, but we're not going to do it this time. Uh, I'm doing decent better than last time i got to talk to you guys and i'm working full-time not career advancement but i'm making money and that's fucking cool right now so that's what i'm that's what i'm up to uh but we'll do this every week on mondays i'll be trying to get some more new guests but if we can't do that people are busy in the summer you'll be hearing a lot more from nick either nick andre or nick hansen and i'll be doing some more solo episodes myself just to get a little bit more used to that. I'm trying to bring a little bit more writing and excitement to the podcast. The playoffs are happening. It's super exciting. We've got fans in the building again. I'm going to the Bucks game tomorrow. I have tickets. I'm going to both the games in Milwaukee. You know, I'm not going to fucking miss it. It's very exciting. We'll see you guys in a week to talk about even further developments in the first round.